Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking some Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And today, as I have previously promised, I'm doing the entire show about Chris Bryant. Uh, there are several times, obviously, that he's come up. There have been lots of things to talk about here and there uh, as we sort of follow the season, but... There's been a bigger conversation to dive into here that I've been putting off, and so let's dive into it now. There's a lot to talk about in terms of, you know, the long-term future, which, you know, you might expect we would do at the end. But let's begin by just getting as many relevant facts on the table as possible. Now, let's go through all the stuff, what he's done so far, what the contract is, where we're at with the contract, and what all of this really does mean for the Rockies right now and moving forward. Since, from a financial standpoint, he is their biggest investment at this moment in time, right? And one of the biggest silver linings for the Rockies right now is that regardless of whether it's trades of players like Blackman and Crone or free agency, other than Bryant, McMahon, and Freeland, they don't really have any large money on the books for the next several years, and both the McMahon and Freeland deals aren't huge and are perfectly reasonable, right? So this really is the one thing where, as you look into the long-term future, you go, is this guy going to be the anchor that stops this team from going where they need to go, right? Chris Bryant, so far, has played 103 games in his Colorado Rockies career, which is, of course, one of the points where we've got to start, but also I'm going to put that off for just a minute. We know that the injuries have, have kept his playing time down. We'll, we'll come back to that, right? So in that time, 442 plate appearances. He's hitting 277, which is a, a pretty solid batting average, right? His career batting average, by the way, uh, in Chicago, I should say at the very least, was 279. So he hit 279 during his time in Chicago. He's hitting 277 with the Rockies, right? He's on basing 351, which is down from his 378 in Chicago, a, a bigger drop, a more significant, you know, 20 points, almost 30 point drop there. And then the other really big one, the most significant one, he's slugging 416, where his time in Chicago, he slugged 508. Now, 416 isn't, you know, absolutely nothing, but it's not the all-star slugger type of hitter you thought you were going to get, right? In those 103 games, in those 442 plate appearances, Chris Bryant has hit 12 home runs and driven in 35. Now, 
I understand and have understood since long before a lot of these new met- new metrics. <laughs> this is true. Some of these things are like 15 to 20 years old now. Um, <clears throat> before even the Moneyball era, as a, as a young kid, I remember thinking, but if there aren't guys on base, you can't get as many RBI, right? It's not that advanced of a, of a logical thought. But it is still also the case that when you hit in the middle of the order and you have some slugging ability, you should be able to drive in some runs. And he's just not. Some of it is happenstance. Uh, some of it is that, right? But a lot of it is the lack of slugging, the lack of consistency in terms of the playing time, obviously. And that's just not the production you were hoping for or looking for, right? That said, it comes out to 101 OPS plus, roughly league average. And when you actually adjust for the fact that OPS plus and WRC plus underrate all Colorado Rockies hitters because they don't take into account the hangover effect when they go on the road, something that is very, very real. And there's another statistic out there that uh, tries to account for this and, and does a decent job. It just isn't updated very often. It's called DRC plus deserved runs created. Um, and it's, it's a pretty good stat. I just don't have public access to it right now. It's behind a paywall and not always updated. That said, Chris Bryant has been, in my view, doing those adjustments, therefore, a little bit above the league average hitter. Now, what does that mean? It's disappointing to be sure, but does that make him, you know, this monumental, colossal disappointment and failure? I would say no to this point, right? Now, the injuries, the fact that he hasn't been on the field have been the biggest frustration, ultimately, followed closely by the lack of power, right? But it's hard to know looking forward, whether or not this has been because of the injuries, because of the lack of consistent playing time, you've got to work yourself back into a rhythm. He's always been a player that tended to hit home runs in bunches. We even saw it last year when he hit like four home runs and five or six games after having not hit any for a long stretch, right? And when you're that kind of hitter, who's at least power comes in streaks, well, you need to be on the field long enough for your hot streak to come, right? So I none of us are doctors and none of us are, well, I shouldn't say that. Maybe there's someone listening to this who is a doctor, but none of us have access to Chris Bryant's, you know, hyper detailed medical reports. And it's hard to know precisely how much that is having an impact, how much his age in general, but remember he's just 31 years old right? Chris Bryant is not an ancient old man ball player, right? Now he's kind of felt like one because he's been hurt. And a lot of people were saying that he was past his prime before he even came to Colorado, which I thought was absolute nonsense. And there's just not enough evidence for that. And I still think that there's not enough evidence for that, but the injuries are starting to pile up. But we can take a step back and look at it. And yes, he's been bad this year, a little bit better the last couple of games, which again goes back to that point of once the guy gets into a rhythm, he can be very difficult to outthink at the plate and he can be very difficult to beat inside the strike zone. 
you know, that's part of the reason why the batting average is still high. It's through the same process that he's always gone through because he can make really good, especially two-strike contact, right? And you you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've been watching the games, you'll see him getting those two-strike counts. Pitcher throws a slider away that a lot of other guys would either roll over to the shortstop or swing through for the strikeout. And Bryant figures out a way to lift it over the infield in a shallow left for a single, right? Not what you're paying the money for, but that's what it is. So, but those are the baseline statistics, right? A 101 OPS plus. So at average, according to that stat, in my mind, again, because it doesn't give enough credit for the difficulty of the road um, effects and all of those kinds of things. And when you, you take a look at the fact that he's basically right at his career batting average, it shouldn't be that big of a dip. But there is the lack of slugging. That's where he is. Not good, but certainly not, you know, among the like worst hitters in the league or not even below average, right? He's just been frustratingly not elite or even well above average. I think he's above average, but he's not in that next category up, right? If C is the average major league hitter, he's been a C plus and he at the very least won him into the Bs. So the other part of this the contract Chris Bryant is under contract for the next, well, one, two, through 2028. He becomes an unrestricted free agent 2029 and basically at the same price he's at right now. It goes down to $26 million a year from 27. So, yeah, that is what it is, right? There are no buyouts or options or, or any of that. It just... Contract is what it is. He has a full no trade clause. There's that. But beyond that, no other little, you know, things in there. <laughs> and so he obviously hasn't been worth $27 million. Not at all, right? <laughs> like, 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 not even close. However, this is where we talk about the rest of it. What do the Rockies have? on the books themselves. Well, this year, right, they've got that Charlie Blackman deal that's going to come off, like I said, and the CJ Crone that's going to come off, and then a bunch of relievers that aren't going to be around next season. And so essentially, you've got Bryant at $27 million on his deal. You've got Ryan McMahon, who will be set to make 12 million. So he is going to get a bump up. He's making nine this year. Uh, and it's going to go up to 12. So an increase, but not by so much that it's killing you. And the fact that again, he continues to be an elite, elite defender. He basically is worth that 12 for the defense almost alone because, well, I mean, it wouldn't be if he was among the worst hitters in baseball, but he isn't. He's been, again, roughly league average with the power that can get you really excited. And again, he's streaky as well, which we've known for a while. He's going to stick at that $12 million a year mark for the next couple of years. So for 2024 and 25, you've got McMahon locked in at a very reasonable $12 million on top of Chris Bryant's twenty seven. Next, we've got Kyle Freeland in there at 15, which 
again, if you're just doing it like dollar per war, might be a little bit high for him. But given his track record, his, you know, the hometown stuff, and the fact that you really don't have any other pitching outside of him, that's, that's not the worst in the world. Uh, it's, it's certainly, I wouldn't even say again at this point that that is a bad contract, but that might be a slight overpay if you're looking at it in, in terms of just dollar per war based on certainly what he was kind of going toward this year with the injury that muddies things a bit and we don't have specifics on that yet so i can't say much more than that but uh you know at his best kyle freeland has certainly been worth that and uh you know obviously you get a little extra out of him for all the things that come along with kyle then there's antonio sensatella who's still on the books for another 12 million Remember, they signed that. That was one of the first things that Billy Schmidt did in his first offseason was sign Crone and Sensatella. So that $12 million for Sensatella. Again, at worst, it's a slight overpay. But if Sensatella can return healthy and put up his career average numbers in 24, he's worth that. Uh, then they do still have Daniel Bard on the books in 2024 for 9.5 million if they don't decide to do something there and that is it with the one possible i guess the one big caveat here is the armand marquez situation right they have an option a club option at 16 million for marquez and like all of these other pitchers that is career average that that's what he's worth about 16 million for the the type of pitcher that he's been but he's not going to be available for the first bit of the season i don't know exactly when his return date is but he's going to miss time next year uh and as is senzatella they're they're both going to miss quite a bit of time and so you know, do the Rockies decide to pick up that option just because they feel like they want to be able to keep him around in the future? And because the back to the larger point that I'm making, they don't have a ton of money on the books for next year and they feel like they can eat it with one more year of playing out the youngsters. Or if they want to be big players in free agency going into the 2024 season, do they decide not to pick up the option on Herman Marquez. Um, maybe even still try to negotiate with him as a free agent and get a, a cheaper, more team-friendly deal. You know, But that could backfire on you. You can lose the player altogether in that situation. And he's been one of the few guys in franchise history who's shown a consistent ability to deal with this Coors Field issue. You know, and if you lose Marquez, as we've talked a lot about before, if you lose Marquez, you're really starting over from a starting pitching standpoint around Kyle Friedland. And, and you've only got the one more year of Antonio Senzatella. And Senza has always been more of a, you know, a four or five who's often been forced into the role of a three. <laughs> and he's great as a four or five. He's one of the better four or fives you can get, especially because he's so good at Coors Field. But if you don't have Marquez, you really are in a starting over standpoint. And are you going to go out and buy starting pitching? Are you going to get better starting pitching 
for 16 million a year or better on the free agent market. Someone you don't know who's never called Coors Field home who's going to come in here and do it better than Marquez has done. I'm not saying it's impossible, but that seems unlikely to me. So I actually wouldn't be shocked if they ended up paying him $16 million to sit on the bench, or not on the bench, to, to be in the hospital for half of the year, you know, and then really hope that he has a strong finish and they can work out something in the long term with him so they have something to build their starting rotation around. You know, because if you're not going to build it around Marquez, Freeland, and maybe Senzatella, you know, with Gabe Hughes coming up, and we'll see how quickly Chase Dollander can get there. And a lot of these guys that they just drafted are closer to the bigs type of, you know, experienced college pitcher guys. Uh, and they've got a few of those in the system now. But I don't know that their takeover the rotation, you know, Dollander's your 1-1, one, one, Hughes is your 2. You know, I that seems like a, a lot. To, you know, Peter Lambert's your 3. I, I still think that the smartest available option to them from a future building standpoint is to try to lock up uh, on these. If you can get them for roughly what you've got them for now, which Freeland is signed up for a little bit, Marquez and Sensatella, you, you run it back with those guys. So you've got three guys in your rotation that you feel like you can build around. Now, of course, you, you've got three guys in your rotation you feel like you can build around that have been really banged up the last year, now two years for Senzatella, right? So that's brutal too. To some extent, I guess you 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 just pray to the injury gods that this doesn't keep happening, uh, and maybe there's something more to it than that. But again, not being a doctor, not being able to look at everyone's medical records, I can only do so much there. Beyond saying, from a production standpoint, I don't know where you're replacing those guys. To put it that way, I don't know where you go and find free agents that you can pay roughly this amount of money and get the production that these guys have given you in the past, but certainly are not giving you right now. Tough spot, man. Tough spot. But the good news is there's just wiggle room here, right? If they decide they do need that money, they can part ways with Marquez for the time being and hope that they can sign him again as a free agent if they really want to. Uh, they can make a trade of Daniel Bard or, you know, as we've talked about, if they want the, the money earlier out from underneath it, the, the, the Crone and McMahon, or uh, sorry, Crone and Blackman stuff, but that's going to happen anyway. Actually, maybe a slight Freudian slip there, and I've never been a huge fan of this idea because, again, I think you need some things you can build around a little bit, and I've always felt like Ryan McMahon is at the very least that. And as I've often said, at this $12 million mark and the defense he gives you, at the very least, he's not going to be a bad contract, even if it's never a great one. But because he does have that value, because he could be valuable out there if they decided to trade him, or Freeland, for that matter, to get that money off of the books. And because if you're going to rebuild, rebuild. But if you're going to do it, do it. <laughs> now, I don't think either of those things are likely. What I'm saying is there are a ton of options available to them to get back to the topic of the day. Make sure that the $27 million that they're paying Chris Bryant doesn't destroy them. It's not like... When they had Cargo and Tulo on the books, and for a very short period of time at the beginning of that, also Todd Helton, 
where they really couldn't uh, like they couldn't do anything right but i mean obviously <laughs> I, I mean the gm couldn't do anything uh, there's a whole other conversation about owners can just spend more money and dick monfort tightens the purse strings at the wrong time yes of course correct but having the conversation about what the gm can do inside of the restrictions given there's wiggle room here for billy schmidt quite a bit of of wiggle room right so that he the one if you want to call it yeah it's a pretty bad contract as we look at it now the one bad contract they've got on the books being chris bryant isn't it shouldn't stop them from being able to build around that and if you can get bryant healthier in the next couple of years and back to a place where his ops plus is back up to 110 115 again on his career of 133 not an all-star hitter but uh, I think the batting average and the contact rates, in spite of all of the injuries, are actually a good news bit silver lining that suggests that if he can get healthy, and that's a big if, that there can be a bit of a return to form because the guy is still a really good hitter. He's just not driving the baseball he the way he used to throughout his career. If he finds a little bit more of that, he turns into a solid player for you. He's probably never going to be worth the $27 million, but it's not going to go down as one of the worst contracts in the history of the sport or probably even the history of the franchise either for guys who got maybe not quite as much money, but close to and were truly awful. Chris Bryant has just been frustratingly mediocre at worst. You can work with that. So... For the rest of the year, this has got to be the biggest hope for the current guys on the team, right? There's there's stuff in terms of the, the young players. The biggest hopes are still that Tovar just keeps taking off, that, you know, Jones and Ortolia really do stick this time, that they do something with Montero. Don't, again, talk about a guy who needs an entire podcast unto himself. But from the, the veteran standpoint, Right from the guys who were veterans who will be on the team for the rest of the year, concern one A one one top one comfortably ahead of everything else. Because I feel fine about Kyle Freeland, honestly, and I feel more than fine about Ryan McMahon. It sucks that Kyle's hurt and you and you want to see him bounce back, but I'm not frightened about that. Right, this Chris Bryant thing, if he stays at his 84 OPS plus for the remainder of the season, and he stays healthy. Like if he if he doesn't have any more setbacks, he plays the rest of the season, and there's no slugging, and even if the batting average stays decent, if he's just an 84 to 90 OPS plus guy, that's very worrisome, right? Because you are quote stuck with him for quite a while at a high price, and while you can work around it. You can only work around it so much. It is limiting. Not as limiting as other things, but it's limiting. So the best news that this team could get for its future from a veteran standpoint would be for Chris Bryant just to hit a couple of home runs. He's at seven right now. You know, if he can end up over 15 comfortably, if he can maybe even get to 20, you know, that, I think, would go a long way toward letting us say, okay, he's not going to be worth the contract, 
but he can still be a valuable part of a winning Rockies team sometime in the next two or three years. That, I think, is where the framing of the Chris Bryant conversation has got to go. So, that's my take on it to this point. I'd be very curious to hear all of yours. Um, I also, oh, one other thing, I just looked at my notes. One last thing I wanted to mention was the possibility in the future that he might move to DH, right? Which is another thing where I think if you take the defensive element of the game away from him, you take that wear and tear off of the body, the legs, and all of that stuff. The Rockies got a lot of young athletic outfielders coming up. They've got a lot of young, big bopping corner infielders coming up. And so, you know, if they decide that Chris Bryant is going to be their DH in the future, I could also see that be an avenue where he regains his form offensively a bit and health-wise a bit. So that's just something I wanted to make sure to mention. So let me know what you all think of uh, the future of Chris Bryant, especially where you could see that going and whether you've got any hope whatsoever. Hit me up on Twitter. You can also always slide into the DMs there and ask me about the private Discord channel. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.